0: Welcome to Hello Health Today, where health is a leadership strategy. I'm Dr. Carmen Mohan, CEO and founder of Hello Health. For the next 15 minutes, I'll be talking about an unseen force every woman in business encounters, and that is the force called drag. In clinic a few weeks ago, one of my patients told me, I'm using her words with permission, I'm just so tired all the time. We ran all kinds of tests. everything looked normal. There appeared to be nothing physically wrong that was causing this patient to feel fatigued. As we spoke a little more, this patient confirmed that she'd been quote-unquote pushing through it for quite a while. She had grown accustomed to working very long hours despite feeling personally drained. Now she felt burned out. From my perspective, burnout is a symptom of a long-standing exposure to drag. If you are feeling tired all of the time and your medical examinations are normal, it can be that you've been working really hard against drag. Think about how this idea might apply to you. Are you working against a form of drag? It's hard to know right offhand, isn't it? Drag is invisible. It's difficult to put your finger on, and it uses your own hard work against you. Picture in your head an Olympic swimmer. At the sound of the bell, she dives into the water. When she resurfaces, she uses graceful, powerful strokes as she propels herself toward the wall. The camera switches to an overhead view where we watch eight swimmers splashing furiously in what appears to be an unimpeded race to glory. May the best woman win! But what if I told you the best woman doesn't win? Each of these swimmers is encountering drag. The more the swimmer works against the water, the more the water exerts a force that pulls her both away from her goal of reaching the wall first and down into the pool. So the best woman doesn't win. The woman who wins is the woman who experiences the least amount of drag. If you are a woman, chances are that as you've progressed over the course of your career, you have experienced a form of enhanced inertia, which I call drag. You are feeling drag when you feel pulled in many directions. It feels like you need to be everywhere at once, but somehow at the end of the day, you haven't gotten anywhere in terms of what the most important objectives are. No one stepped up to help or support you. They just watch you burn the candle at both ends. You are feeling drag when your decisions are questioned constantly by both your peers and your boss. Your subordinates might do it too. And when you are one of only two women sitting at the conference room table, it's nearly guaranteed that the group dynamic will work to slow you down. Do you feel tired yet? It's exhausting to maintain such a hard work ethic and to continue to produce stellar results when the very system that should be helping works against you instead. That's why we should all learn from swimmers. There's nothing a swimmer can do about the fact that she has to jump into the pool, just like we can't necessarily change the game we have to play at work. How does a swimmer deal? She positions her body in ways that reduce the amount of energy she needs to propel herself forward. She learns techniques that reduce drag, so she doesn't work against herself. In her book, Executive Presence, which I highly recommend you read if you haven't yet, Author Sylvia Ann Hewlett describes the marzipan layer. The marzipan layer is sticky and rich with female talent operating just below the level of the C suite. The thing about the marzipan layer? No woman makes it out. Well, maybe not none, but very few. The marzipan layer is one reason only 3 to 5 percent of CEOs in America are women. To me, the concept of the marzipan layer perfectly captures the effect of drag on a woman's career. It takes so much motivation, hard work and talent to rise to that level that by the time you get there, you're tired. And let's face it, when you're a vice president or a senior vice president in corporate America, you've reached a high level of attainment. But what if we could make the marzipan layer less sticky? What if, by changing the way we think about the connection between health and work, we could reduce the drag on our personal energy? What if we could arrive in our aspirational identity, feeling a well of energy and ready to leverage our unique contributions? I believe that women who learn to use health as a leadership strategy can and will make this paradigm shift. We start by understanding the health landscape for women, All women are navigating a health landscape that features the following obstacles, genetic predispositions, physiologic truths of aging, including increased risk of cancer, heart attack, and stroke, whether, when, and how to become mothers, and hormonal fluctuations that affect day-to-day energy levels and a sense of comfort. Each decade marks a change in personal energy levels that correlate with physiologic aging. Let's start in the 20s. I'm starting in the 20s because when it comes to thinking about our health habits, we tend to compare our bodies as they are now to the body that we had in our 20s. Maybe this is not true for you, but for many women, feeling energetic came easily when we were 20. What's more, our 20-year-old selves set an impossible standard, one we will never meet again. When I was 20, I was a competitive distance runner on the University of Maryland track and cross-country team. I ran between 60 to 80 miles a week, worked out twice weekly with a personal trainer in a facility designed for athletes, and I ate whatever I wanted because I never gained a pound that wasn't 100% muscle. Suffice it to say that now that I'm in my 40s, this is absolutely not the case for me. I guess it's probably not the case for you either. The 20s are a time when the bioreserve is still building. Generally speaking, a healthy woman's 20s are marked by continuing bone strengthening. Muscles are continuing to get stronger as well. Most women remember and long for the high levels of energy experienced in our 20s. Let's move on to the 30s. In our 30s and early 40s, we must make decisions about reproductive health and whether or not to become mothers. Fertility wanes dramatically by 40, which is a critical time in the experience of career women. Right at 40 to 44 is when we are considered for top-level leadership positions across sectors. In my experience as a clinician, many women notice a big difference in how they feel in their own skin. Within the bioreserve framework of thinking, this sense of downshifting correlates to metabolic slowing and loss of lean muscle mass. By our 50s, we have noticed weight gain and begin to detect mood and energy shifts related to hormonal changes and menopause. And finally, in our 60s, women's cardiovascular risk becomes equivalent to men's. Now, I am certainly hoping for longevity well beyond my 60s. I hope to live even into my 90s. But I'm going to stop this discussion here because retirement from work life often happens before seventy. There are three key points to take away here because I want you to feel clear. So number one, our most important career opportunities come at a time when dips in the bioreserve have become felt in our lived experiences day to day. Our personal energy can feel inexplicably lowered right around 40. Patients in my clinic report feeling fatigued despite adequate sleep. Number two, the age-related declines in health can be buffered against through healthy habits, namely restorative sleep in adequate amounts, exercise, and eating a healthy diet. And three, if you do nothing to protect your bioreserve, physiologic aging will march on, unimpeded, and reduce your personal energy in a way that limits your potential. These three things are true for all women but executive women face further complications as they pursue wellness. The biggest problems are also threefold. So number one, you are facing unique sets of time pressure. Time is not your own. It belongs to everyone else. At work, it belongs to your team, colleagues, and superiors. At home, it belongs to your life partner and children if you have them. Moreover, there's an option to work 24-7 and forego all personal time your schedule is not your own, and it's often managed by an assistant. Number two, you are facing unusually high urgency at work. The executive woman routinely faces immediate and pressing tasks that must be performed at the expense of less urgent, even if important, tasks. The less urgent though important tasks that are often sacrificed include preventive health, sleep, rest, exercise, movement, And meditation practice and three you are immersed in a high-calorie high-sodium unpredictable food environment due to your travel schedule for both work and leisure entertaining clients and socializing with your colleagues the executive woman has unpredictable access to fresh produce and that is the single most important component of a healthy diet Food available to you instead is often highly processed, high in salt, added sugar, and saturated fat. And I know I promised three, but there is a fourth thing to consider, and that is that the work environment limits changes in body position, and this is wildly unhealthy. So since you spend as much as 50 to 70% of your time at work sitting in meetings, commuting, and in desk work, you are unlikely to obtain enough movement over the natural course of your workday. The key point here is this, if you are not intentional about meeting the minimum requirements for health maintenance, the default is to trend toward illness. Let me further emphasize this point. If you do not put time for health onto your schedule and defend it, your default programming trends toward illness. You must get time for health onto your weekly schedule. Here's an action step for today. I want you to practice defending a walking time this week. It might be hard at first, but it's worth it in the long run. It's not how fast you go, it's that you go that makes the difference. So let's get really specific. What I want you to do is place a 30-minute walking time from noon to 1230 onto your schedule for Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday of this week and next. I'm choosing the midday so you'll be forced to take a lunch hour and disrupt all that sitting you did this morning. Plus, fall weather makes noon a feasible time to be outdoors. Remember to put your walking shoes in your bag before you go to sleep tonight so that they come to work with you tomorrow. Bonus points if you take a colleague with you when you go. Until next time, rise on. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Because I am a medical doctor, it's important for me to tell you that nothing I say here in this podcast can substitute for your doctor's advice. My lawyers make me say the same thing this way. The contents of this podcast are neither intended nor implied to be relied on for medical diagnosis, care, or treatment concerning any individual. Under no circumstances does this podcast create a physician-patient relationship, nor does it constitute engagement in the practice of medicine or the provision of any healthcare service to an individual patient. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for professional diagnosis and treatment. Consult a healthcare provider before making any healthcare decisions or to obtain guidance about any medical conditions. The producers of this podcast expressly disclaimed responsibility and shall have no liability for any damages, loss, injury, or liability whatsoever suffered as a result of reliance on the information contained in this podcast.